0: We're live. Welcome, everybody. It's Wednesday, 3.30 Central, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, other time zones as well. I have the wonderful Alexander Mertz and Gary Black with me today. Lots to talk about, a lot to talk about, a lot of uh, stuff going on in the Tesla community, a lot of stuff going on in the investing world related to Tesla. We got a lot of stuff going on with uh, some rumors, some, some FUD, and just a bunch of stuff. And, this is going to be, uh, as usual, the reason why I love having Alexandra Gary on is we have very in-depth, detailed discussions with, you know, oftentimes opposing views or, you know, uh, especially on topics that can be controversial. But I love having uh, these two awesome people with me because um, th- there's very respectful dialogue that arises from these topics. And, of course, in the comments section, as you listen to the conversation, feel free to add your own uh, thoughts uh, sort of, you know, feel free to add whatever you want. My ask will be in the comment section to obviously keep it respectful. No ideas or thoughts should be should be, you know. Feel free to say whatever you want, but obviously as a listener, please do ensure that you keep in a respectful tone with the audience because this this is important stuff we gotta talk through as a as an investing community, as a as a Tesla fan base, obviously. But uh, a lot of folks are <laughs> a little bit confused <laughs> as far as what's <laughs> going on right now. So I think this is going to be a valuable discussion. Um, Alexandra, maybe maybe set set the stage for us a little bit of what's going through your mind because you know you just came out of a conversation with Herbert um, about an hour ago, an hour and a half ago. Shout out yeah. Herder from um, Brighter, He's doing a great job over there. Uh, maybe just this off. We have some items to talk about, but I think that'll be a good uh, stage for us if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was um, quite furious. Obviously, you two just made me laugh, so I'm a little bit better. But um, <laughs> but it is it is um, it is true that this has been now uh, the third day in the week where you just wake up in the morning, you get all this FUD, you get all these rumors, you get no reaction or at least no official reaction from from, from Tesla. The the lack of communication from Tesla leaves this whole space unoccupied. And if you're a competitor, an enemy of of Elon or of, of Tesla, um, you actually have such an easy game hurting us. And I'm saying us, and I said it earlier to, to Herbert, we are all investors in, in, in this company. This is, you know, we all have a share of it and we have to understand we have a share of it. And we shouldn't be shy to speak up when something when something just doesn't work and when we feel they don't see it. Uh, now, we may not always be right. I always stop all those that go, uh, who do you think you are and whatever, because we're getting our part of heat. And And yes, we may not be always be right, but they also may not be all the time right. And when I say they, I don't actually mean the execution at Tesla. I think the execution is still good. We can talk in detail about whether there's a demand issue or not later on, but I still think Tesla is just the most extraordinary company there is. I have my doubts to the efficiency currently of the board of directors. I wanna express that quite quite clearly later on. Uh, I certainly see this lack of communication a bigger and bigger problem we're talking about the sixth biggest mega cup in the in, in in the world and we're doing no communication because we don't like communication i mean this is kindergarten stuff I'm sorry, this is just not of a level of an international company that's conquering the world and of which we have heard in October that there's just two months ago, just don't forget it, that sooner or later, this will be bigger than the number one and number two currently together, right? So so it just, there has to be a proportion to it all. And there are days it's just, I'm exaggerated and I just want to say it. And so I did say it with Herbert and I'll say it again. <laughs>
0: Gary, what what do you think? It's sort of going off of uh, Alexander's thoughts here, and I'll, and I'll be happy to kind of throw in my two cents as well.
2: Well, Alexander's right. The silence is deafening, and I've never seen it. I follow a lot of companies, and as Alexander said, it's the sixth largest market cap company, but it behaves like a you know a little company in terms of its communications. And I'm just not used to that. Usually you get something from a company, and I don't really know who to blame. I'm not sure if it's because Elon's you know focused on Twitter or the IR department doesn't have enough staff, or just it's all of the above. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I don't really know what to make of it, but I, I agree, it's it's a very frustrating time. Not just because the stock is down, but you just you can't get anything from the company, so you're left to kind of draw from you know little snippets you see from competitors, from the trade rags. And look, my biggest frustration all along has been, you know, it's fine not to have PR, but then stop whining about how biased the press is because the press. Mm-hmm you people have to understand the way the press works as competitors who have IR departments will feed stuff to the press the press will run with it and then you know come up with a storyline because it has to be differentiated they'll contact us and and like well we don't have any comment or they don't even return the call and then you're kind of left with the stuff that shows up in these trade rags that is maybe true maybe false maybe somewhere in the middle but nobody's really trying to make it better so everybody just does what they do they sell the stock and You know, look, I'm not that focused on the short term stock price, but it's just it's very annoying as a as a manager, knowing full well that the fundamentals are very strong, but there's just no communication. And I just wonder where the board is on this. Most boards would get involved and say, look, you know, Martin, if, if it's IR or Elon, if he's the CEO. You know, here's what you need to be doing, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the board's doing behind the scenes. Maybe there's a, a valid reason for. Maybe we're going to hear about a share buyback today or something, and it's quiet. <laughs> but they're not in their quiet period. The quiet period doesn't start for another week or so. So I'm not, I'm not sure why we've got no information coming out of the company.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think from my standpoint, what's, what's I've been trying my best to look at this thing. I'm trying to remove my Uber bull hat. You know, I'm trying to remove my super passionate, you know, I've been following this company for 10 years. And like, obviously, you know, I, I'm very proud to be a Tesla shareholder, very proud to have worked there, very proud to own the products. But now my, my sort of thought process is shifting on this quite a bit. And so the way I view it is especially related to this comms FUD fighting sort of phase that we're in right now back in 2016 to 2019 when Tesla was getting hit from all sides while it was you know kind of a quote unquote baby company strapped for cash super strappy very dependent on the markets to raise cash right uh, and, and they're just hair on fire they're trying to move as quickly as possible there was a community that very organically grew. Uh, out of that in Twitter and in YouTube and everywhere else that was very unique to that story that was doing that for the company, essentially. They were the voice, they were the PR, they were the comms, they were that sort of like, hey, everybody, like, let's look at what's really happening here. And I think during that time, it kind of made sense for that to exist because again, the, the company in my head and right or wrong needed, quote unquote, all the help he could get. And so in that way, it made a lot of sense. But now you fast forward to say this time, where the company's financials are <laughs> the best in the industry, I would argue. Mm-hmm. I basically note that twenty billion in cash, uh, an embarrassment of talent. They have so many talented people in there. They have an amazing leader. They have an amazing product, right? And then I think about the context of this FUD fighting com issue. I'm like, okay, so you have the means and you have the brains. I'm I, I'm just a little bit, I guess, worried and concerned that perhaps the FUD fighting and all the stuff that's happening in the community is kind of hiding a little bit of what's really going on, which is like, hey, like you have a lot of folks that are not happy right now. They're Mm -hmm. just not happy. And yeah, yeah, go ahead, please.
1: And and I mean, no doubt that the low stock price gets to everybody. I mean, even if you're a medium or long term uh, investor, you have to look at it every day. And you're just like, what 170 again? I mean, why? Right? We, we moved up, we came closer to 200 back we are. So this is nerve wracking, even though you don't need to sell if you can buy fine. I, and I hear all those saying, Oh, why do you worry Buy, my buy, buy? Sure, I do I actually dollar cash average for the last two and a half years. But it it just It doesn't reflect at all the value it has today, and it's not just by 10%. I think it actually is worth double of what we are today. And I don't see us going up while this whole attitude from Tesla and from the market towards Tesla is stuck where it is. And I just feel us retail investors, we are more or less without the means to counter it now. Because mm-hmm. y- you can throw out so much good data and you can say, look how wonderful this company is. Just nothing moves. Nothing moves. And then when this morning I saw Leo uh, Kogan getting really upset, I-, I mean, one side, I love it, right? There's no doubt about yeah, it. I like if him being pissed. Me has- like <laughs> too. <things. laughs> there is no doubt about it Leo, Leo Kogan
0: is the largest uh, individual retail Third. shareholder, correct? Third, largest. Third yes.
1: largest, yes.
0: Third largest, thank you.
1: Yes, Sorry, third continue. largest, and Tell and he's answer. been he and his he has been going um, for a long time on on sharebacks like like uh, uh, Gary like like me in my little position, and and he argues it exactly the same way we do. Meaning the price is so low, it's nearly a crime to not pick it up now. This is not about increasing instantly the share price. I mean, if that is a side effect, even better. But this is about showing that the company has confidence in this share price today and says, look, this is too ridiculous. We have to pick it up rather than having all this money on our money market account and uh, take it out of the market. And again, there are then different technicalities. Do you put it as treasury reserve, or do you just uh, retire the stock? All good. But the action itself would just show that they understand how to manage the money in the best possible way for their shareholders. For us, that's just it. And, and like I said, we had we did that petition. We got nearly 6,500 signers of the petition, some very large shareholders in there. I sent twice emails to Martin Bia because he's the only one that's there, right? I wish I could really send it to the board members straight away. I asked that this is transferred to the board, that the retail shareholders, no reaction, not even an acknowledgement that these emails were received. I know there were from other sources, but from Tesla, nothing.
2: Yeah, I mean one of the challenges, again, as a fund manager, so since Elon closed his Twitter deal, which in theory doesn't affect Tesla directly, Tesla's down 24%, NASDAQ is flat. That's since October 28th. And if you go back to when he first made his bid, Tesla's down 47. I think NASDAQ's down 17. So I get people saying, well, it's just, it's just macro. It's just, you know, the Fed's raising rates and you know, if you beta adjust it, it's not okay. It's like you're deluding yourself. You think it's all beta. Again, down 24 versus zero in the six weeks or so since he closed Twitter, or five weeks. You know, that's that's a big difference. And so, you know, I can see why somebody like Leo, who's the most mild-mannered billionaire I've ever met, he's he's a nice guy, and for mm-hmm. him to be as as mad, and I'll use that term, as he was this morning. On, you know, Emma. I mean, he wrote a tweet just MIA, where's the board? MIA. I was shocked by it, but I was glad because if anybody can get their attention, it's Leo. He owns 10 million shares, right? And yeah, so- but
1: but then, but then just to, to, I mean, yeah, while he shouldn't do communication, he's obviously investor relations. And so he should be the one in, in relationship with, uh, with Leo. He didn't react at all to Leo's tweet. And the contrary, he actually tweets very little, but today he tweeted about a shift stick stick shift shift i don't know how you say it uh evie yeah. right so, so something completely out of manual exactly <laughs> um and and so i just thought like what is this you have your third biggest shareholder having a fit i understand why he has a fit how about you know something rather than yeah. nothing
2: but yeah. there and we are most, fir- most firms you have a cfo who's very engaged with the largest shareholders. And look, I don't expect Zach to talk to me, but usually, you know, the CFO will talk to people like Leo who have that many shares. And I just Zach just comes across as I don't know, the word is indifferent, but he he, I know he talks to large buy-side investors who own the stock, but we don't we don't really get that much from him. And that's that's different from other companies I invest in where the CFO is always out there and and look, they drive the communications effort because they realize what's going on. And when the stock is is getting decimated the way this one is, usually the CFO or the head of IR are out there saying, look, we need to, we need to do the following three things just to mm-hmm. kind of put a Band-Aid on it. And, and it's not about short-term stock price performance. It's just you don't want to lose your big shareholders who just give up and say, enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the, the lack of communication, lack of effort, I guess I would use.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you a question. You've been on board of companies. Yep. When you're on a board in America, how often do you meet with the other board members? Is it, does everybody have a certain thematic to address or is everybody in charge of everything?
2: Yeah. Well, there's committees and as you know, um, but we used to, and I've been on two public boards. Uh, we'd meet every month or we do a call every month. And I think, you know, in, 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 and I've talked to different people, Tess, I think they have the same cadence. It's once a month. And I think they do more calls than actual in, in-person in meetings. But, you know, then you've got different roles that different people play. And I think Larry Ellison used to play a, a more, you know, this is what we need to do board. And I, since Larry left, I, I'm i not sure who takes the lead, if you will. Um, you know, when, when you have a board like this one, it's small and it's a lot of Elon's friends and, you know, people Brother. he knows. Mm-hmm. they're beholden to the CEO but Elon doesn't seem to be that involved with Tesla these days and you know that we'll talk about the global CEO rumors you know he spends a lot of his time at Twitter and he's sleeping at the Twitter headquarters so it's hard to know if he's driving the board Cadence or there's somebody else I just mm-hmm. I, I I can't see it it's it's kind of uh, invisible to me
1: yeah and, and obviously then let's just currently join the board yeah I think the oldest member on the board is just now four years on the board I mean I have the feeling that this is quite a a young group, young not in age but young in in, in interactions, and, um, and 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 the other thing is, I mean, I, I checked this this morning, but I, I prefer her, hearing it from you, Gary. As a board member, you have a responsibility, right? You have a responsibility to actually your personal liability to it, right?
2: You have personal liability, but again, as a board member, what I found. And not to knock the companies I was on boards with, I found a lot of times the outside directors didn't do much work in between board calls or board meetings, but then the day before I'd get like, as a CEO, I would get calls from people saying, you know, can, can you tell, because they get the materials, you'd send out a book of materials that we were going to go through. And then they would call me up and say, what are you trying to get done with this? What does this mean? Blah, blah, blah. And I would bet it's probably similar here where they don't do that much work in between the meetings or the calls, but then they get a book. And then they have to go through it. And look, during a board meeting, you're supposed to participate. You're not supposed to just sit there and be silent. And so I would imagine there's there's you know pressure to at least contribute during these board calls. But you know, th- we we wouldn't always talk about the stock price falling. And, and like and, and I but but if it was falling as much as this one, and you, you just gotta like put it in perspective, Tesla's down, it's one of the worst performers in our portfolio this year. It's down 50% year to date. Um, and, and, and yet the fundamentals look so strong and yeah. you know the estimates keep going up year to date uh 22 uh, earnings estimates are up 43 percent 23 estimates are up 42 43 percent. but the stock is down 50. and you yeah. can say well nasdaq's down 20 but even if you beta adjust it the beta on tesla over the last year is about 137 138, it still doesn't explain it all especially with the fundamentals so strong so if i'm a board member I should be asking that question. Why is our stock doing so poorly? Because that is, to your, to your point, Alexander, that is their, their. Uh, it's not their fiduciary, but it's definitely something that they should be in charge of at least trying to explain to shareholders, like here's what's happening.
1: So exactly, so there are a couple of things that I want to pick up. First of all, you said people will have to come into these meetings prepared. prepared. I mean, Farsad, Farsad can can certainly attest to that. Elon has put in place in all his companies, and he did it now at Twitter again, those rules that he wrote, I think, in 2014 or 2016, don't get into a meeting if you have nothing to say, leave the meeting if if it's not for you, whatever. He's the most efficient meeting driver.
0: 100%.
1: I just can't believe that in October, in that pump it all earnings call, he was like, yeah, yeah, we want to do uh, buybacks, but uh, it's the board that's going to look after it.
2: Yes. It's a timing issue. You have to have the right process, I think he said.
1: Exactly if they're right. I mean, and 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 so the proce- process for sitting in a meeting prepared can't be done in six weeks. Just, where is it? Well, who is not doing their job?
2: You know, I don't know. Like I said, it's invisible to me. I can't. I can't see it. And there's no communication out of the company. I just think again, when you got the CEO who's spending, I don't know how much of his time at Twitter, but let's call it 80, 90 percent,
1: hundred and fifty
2: he's going to drive the cadence and he's going to be the one in the absence of a very strong CFO or in the absence of a a lead director who's driving things, you're not going to see the, you know, let's, let's, let's charge mentality that I've seen, you know, at other boards and, you know, this, this company, it's got all the right fundamentals. And look, there's two overhangs in the stock. One is Twitter. One has been China, you know, and we could talk about both of those. In China, you know, you're seeing it now. You're you're seeing it with you know rumors about production cut. You're seeing a, a a temporary promotion that's in place at least through the end of the year. And look, the board should probably be involved in those type discussions, right? You you probably get a book. I used to get a book, you know, once a month saying here's the monthly results, and usually you get you know some kind of here's what we're going to be doing for the rest of the year, and if the volumes are going to be light. And just remember, in the third quarter, you know, Elon was talking about epic fourth quarter. Zach gave a, a guidance, we'll call it, of just under 50% delivery growth for, for the year. They're nowhere near just under 50%. So, yeah. you know, one of the questions I have is, you know, legally, are you supposed to update your guidance if you know it's wrong? And legally, they don't have to, uh, but mm-hmm. they should. You know, it's just, it's good, it's good practice. And, and I don't expect, I had this discussion with a big investor the other day. You know, when when a board knows that their guidance is wrong or the CFO or the CEO's guidance are wrong, do you update? Some do, but but some don't. And you don't the SEC doesn't seem to push them on it. So I don't expect them to update their guidance before you know their their fourth come quarter out. earnings, which is you know probably middle mm-hmm. of January, even though Elon's out there saying epic fourth quarter, which is not a guide, but but Zach gave very specific guidance. It's said yep. just under fifty percent delivery growth, and we're on track for fifty percent production growth for the year. And they're not going to make those numbers. And the question.
1: And that- and so far, and and so far, just sorry to jump in. When Zach said something, I actually took it really to the bank, right? I mean, I, I love Elon, but time mm. is not time, and epic is maybe less epic. But 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 when <laughs> when Zack <laughs> said it, no,
2: I, yeah, he yeah. His credibility by not being able to hit a number. After, and again, this was what six weeks ago, end of October, they did their call. So it's not this isn't forever ago and look part of it is the chinese economy is is kind of a roller coaster you got you know covid shutdowns and now the government's saying you know we're not going to shut things down we're going to ease up on the uh, regulations if you know somebody has covid so part of it is definitely macro driven with china and you you know that but but i also think part of it it's their own doing they they're just they just they're not buttoned up in in the way they're explaining things that are going on in china and this again this whole thing with you know, the press has a rumored production, I mean, not just one, but you had Reuters and Bloomberg both saying it. And then, you know, a day later or two days later, you hear about this 6,001 won promotions through the end of the year after China, you know, basically Tesla China uh, just, you know, said, no, we're, we're not, we're not cutting production or it's false information. I think they called it. Yeah. You would think that somebody in IR would at least get the word out to somebody in the press. They don't have to put out a press release. To just say here's what's going on so that people like you know our average shareholder knows what what is happening but nobody's yeah. doing that so we're all kind of left trying to figure it out for ourselves and that's what's causing the uncertainty if i'm an institutional pmi i get rid of the stock and then i say you know what i'll think about it later i just i don't have time if i've got 50 names in a portfolio i don't have time I'm to be thinking. spending 20 on one name and that's the way the average fidelity portfolio manager yeah. thinks
1: I completely agree. Yeah. Now I don't want to talk Twitter because we'll get in a fight again. But uh, let's talk China.
2: You guys <laughs> <laughs> <Nice laughs> so fight. I never heard you fight. <laughs> did, that.
1: did that? Been there. <laughs> but uh, but let's get let's get to China. So we do understand the big problem is China. That's what I think is actually the most. This my strongest argument for me to say that this um, new China. CEO of worldwide story is wrong. I can I I could not consider at all that at this crucial moment for China they would put their best man for Asia Pacific into this global role and not focus on the area where there's actually currently pain.
2: But let's be let's be specific. I first of all I don't buy the rumor. I don't think he's going to take over as Tesla CEO. Could he take over in the old uh, Jerome Golan type job where he's the head of automotive global? Sure. And they could give him a title, like, you know, his, his, his title now is president of China or something like that. He could be the global CEO of automotive for Tesla where, you know, and, and, and that might be a good position to have, right? Because at least Elon is still the CEO and that's, I know institutions would be devastated if Elon were to say, you know what, I'm not going to be CEO anymore of Tesla. I have too much going on at Twitter or I love working at Twitter, whatever. And a lot of institutions would sell the stock if Elon were to disappear. I can tell you that right now. But if you put in a strong number two and and, and it becomes clear that Tom is the, the factor number two, which, you know, we, we had talk in that trial a couple of weeks ago that the board has identified a potential number two, that would be a good view. People would like that. Then, then we know that there's somebody else that they're grooming for the CEO job at some point. And it would be somebody who could compliment. And this guy works 24-7 from what I've heard. Yeah. And he's aligned with, with with Elon's vision. And, you know, everything I hear about this guy is so positive and it fits very much with the Tesla culture. And he's built the China business into the largest business. So yeah, I would have no problem if he became the global head of, you know, we'll call it automotive, which is, mm-hmm. well, that's a good yeah. job. And it's clearly a number two job. And that would make yeah.
1: Total yeah. sense and, and 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 i agree with you on a couple of things actually so so i did dig up his cv he joined tesla in 2014 initially in charge of superchargers very quickly i think he joined in april in december he got his first promotion got promoted got promoted got promoted very very quickly last thing we heard was in july this year him and that was Bloomberg reporting him taking over the whole of Asia Pacific.
2: That's right. That's his title responsibility.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, did Tesla ever confirm officially? No, you're dreaming. Of course not. But there we are. That was the last. So four months ago, he got promoted to Asia Pacific, and maybe now this. If really this is it, let's just play it through. How in the world would you announce that? Would you? Would you really let it leak? to the worst little news agency in yeah. China against whom you have won a law case because they've been lying before. I, 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 let's assume it's right, then the communication was completely off again. And assume it's wrong, then please search for the leak. I mean, maybe they just made it up, but actually it's not so inc- you know, in- improbable. It makes sense. Exactly. It could actually make sense.
2: But it's not as CEO of Tesla. That's, no, director no. of automotive. Yeah. There's no yeah. way that yeah, he's yeah. coming in as CEO of Tesla. And, and, you know, and like, I mean,
1: Shanghai is the best production site, right? I mean, and yeah. he has gone through those COVID lockdowns. He slept there 24 hours a day, not, not slept, but worked and slept there. And, uh, and and he seems to have really earned the respect of everybody, including Elon. So yeah, maybe he's it and, and that's fine. But just how do we learn that? Yeah. By the worst news outlet?
2: Well, <laughs> look, that's the way. A lot of times, somebody knows somebody. They hear something, and then you know, uh, if you're a good reporter, you start calling around. And you get somebody to confirm your your theory, and that's the way it works. I'm more impressed when I look at, and again, I put my CEO hat on. I think this guy's made some really good decisions in a very tough environment. Remember, mm-hmm. there's five or six big players in China, led by by BYD, who are very aggressive. At you know, they they're the under thirty thousand dollar EVs and it's 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 tough it's a tough macro environment. Yeah. And I've been impressed by this guy's um, his flexibility. So you you take what what drove the stock down this morning for instance. They're doing a promotion and it's 6,000 one which is about 2% on existing Model 3 and Model Y inventory. And if you were to say okay, let's and so here's the big debate today. Is it a permanent price cut or is it just a promotion for 3 3 or 4 weeks? Because in the U.S., it makes sense to have a promotion, which they have. It's $3,750 to bring volume forward to try to make sure that, you know, people don't wait until January 1st to take delivery. So that one, everybody got that, okay? Even though people didn't like it, it made sense. This one didn't make any sense. And so the debates, I'd say it's 50-50 I've had today with people. They say, no, this is a a price cut in disguise. And there's, you know, a guy I used to work with, Tony Tony Sakanaki at Bernstein. He's a bear. He's been a bear since 2020. You know, he cast it as a price cut. And if people have to remember who are listening to this, in the institutional world, you've got thousands of salespeople going out with a morning call that is taking what the analysts say and are going and talking to all these institutional managers. And usually you get a call or you get an email. Like I get an email from every single brokerage and I can read what's going on. And so <laughs> I always laugh when people say, well, you're just spreading FUD. You're you're re, 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 relaying what. This newspaper said, or Tony second. I said, no, everybody knows because everybody's on the same email chain that I'm on. So, what happened is they cut, they, they put this promotion in, and I'm in a camp that this is a, a promotion till the end of the year because somebody screwed up in China. They probably produced too much. And, and rather than, and, and, and Troy's been very good at this, and he knows his stuff. Rather than set up an a export you know, for, say, the beginning of December, because they, they realized they weren't going to get enough orders in, you know, you could have set up a couple ships and gotten it exported out. They haven't really exported anything in December, but I believe they will. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's not a disaster. And I think it's really just to kind of offset the fact that they made too much product and they didn't want to get into year end where they had so much inventory on hand because nobody likes to be at the end of the year with, you know, I don't know, three times the amount of inventory you normally have. And so I believe that that's why they put this promotion in place. And I think that now they'll adjust production going forward because there isn't enough demand for economic reasons. I don't think it's because of competitive reasons. I think it's just economy. But the economy in China is starting to open. So they can always adjust production back. They could cut it back for two weeks and then, you know... decide yeah. they'll, they'll put it back so you so you actually
1: believe that rumor you don't believe the rebuttal that was then no, no, I believe
2: there's oh. I believe there's some you know, but here's the punchline if you take that 6000 take the worst case take the 6001 promotion say let's suppose it extends into next year okay that's 10 cents a share in earnings because you're only talk about the china domestic volume you don't count the export mm-hmm. volume so we know that China's making about a million a million one per year but if you take the fourth quarter, and even if you grow it at a little bit, you know, 10 15%, and you multiply that times 6,001, put it into dollars, tax-affected, divide by 3.6 million shares, it's $0.10 cents a share, guys. It's 2% of the earnings. That doesn't warrant a uh, whatever Tesla was down today, 4%. It shouldn't have been yeah. down that much. Yeah. And so yeah. something else is going on. And I think, you know, and, and, and look, I, I encourage people to read the Bears reports. Tony is the best of the Bears. He's been wrong, but people don't pay Tony for his stock recommendation. They pay because he's very good at figuring out he's very good at analysis and he's very good at figuring out like what's really going on. And he's a he's the he's the number one rated Apple analyst, you know, for like 15 years in a row. And people hedge funds pay him for his bearish view on Tesla because you're not gonna listen to Gordon Johnson on Tesla. He's an no. idiot, okay? But <laughs> you, you will you will listen to Tony because Tony's viewed as very credible. And when you read his report, he will say, you know, he believes the price cuts are going to be extended into next year. So he's anticipating further price cuts, and he also acknowledges that the costs are coming down. So they may be able right. to cover these cost these price uh, cuts, with cost cuts. Yeah, the gross margins yeah. may not even fall. And so yeah, right. I respect that. At least he's, he, as a bear, he's acknowledging what could go right for Tesla. And I do believe they'll figure out a way how to, you know, figure out to cut costs. If if they have to extend these prices, I don't believe that. I think that this promotion will end on December 31st and maybe you'll get another promotion next year, but I don't believe it'll be a permanent price cut.
0: Yeah, and I and I think too, like there's another thing to be said about having inventory available is not such a bad thing. I mean, one of the things that sucks about some markets is like it takes literally months to get a Tesla, you know? So Mm -hmm. like having additional inventory and bad, and if you have you know, 30 plus percent margin on a product and you need to stoke a little bit of it. You drop the price and all of a sudden thousands of people can get a car the next
2: day. Like, why is that a bad thing? You know, I do that on a positive. Too much though, Farzad. And look, you got to go through the math. This quarter, fourth quarter, depending on what you think December will be, um, they've had 75,000 units delivered locally. So in China for October, November, and they've had... 97,000 exports. So you can, you know, make some assumptions about December. But you take domestic and exports together, you're only going to get about 250,000 units. And they're mm-hmm. making more than that. They're making at a rate of 1.1 million, okay? So you can't let inventory build, you know, every single month. Where are you going to put everything? But they can definitely export more out. And I that's why I think somebody screwed up or, you know, collectively a bunch of people screwed up. They thought with the price cut on October 24th, and they thought with the subsidy, there's a twelve thousand subsidy, one subsidy expiring on December thirty first. Plus, there's another eleven thousand subsidy for the batteries, electric batteries in Shanghai only. They probably thought that a lot of people would be rushing to to buy Teslas before the end of year, take delivery. It didn't happen. I think if they did, mm-hmm. if they knew that, they would have exported more out.
1: Well, it did. It did a couple of days, but not long enough to sustain. the The other thing I think we read yesterday that one of the, the first one of those subsidies, fifty percent of that is fin- finally carried over into 2023. So it's not as if it's completely breaking away. But that is was only known yesterday. So obviously, for November buyers, that uh, was unknown. So I mean, I, I agree with you. It's 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 a tough market in China. I mean, I I don't think we realize in the United States at what point they are. In a different environment. I mean, this was still an emerging economy with high growth rates. Um, this COVID-zero policy, obviously, is now finally ending. Is it ending now? Is it ending after the winter? Is it ending at least after Chinese New Year, which is end of January, right? Which is just after the the earnings call. So it, it is still a very moving post, right? It's, it's not. It's not something where people get really get a grab of Will this? Domestic demand really pick up. So you believe the the Y production line reduction was actually the, real. I don't know if
2: the details are right, and I can't tell if it's because again, it's nobody's talking to me, nobody's talking to anybody. But I believe there's probably some element of truth to the rumor. I just don't know the details. I don't know if it's 20% of Model Y, 20% overall. And it, it look they came out and said it's false information when you translate it back into English, but they didn't just deny it flatly, which to me was telling, right? They just said mm-hmm. false information, which to me is like, some of this is false, but not all of it, right? So yeah. and it, look, it wouldn't surprise me because there is a lot of inventory in China. Um, and to your right, Farzad, you don't want to have to wait six weeks for a car. But people are used to doing that with Tesla. That's the culture. It's a desired mm-hmm. product. It's a premium product. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you can get it right away, you know, it may not be viewed with as, such high esteem. If you can walk into a dealer and get a car the next day, then you're kind of like every other car company. <laughs> mm. I don't think people mind waiting a couple of weeks. They don't want to wait six months, but if you have to wait three or four weeks for a car, that's not such a bad thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I,
1: I don't think wait times is really a problem. I think if we have short wait times, people will be happy. have we long, well. It is what it is because people, there's still an intrinsic wish yeah. to own a tesla right people mm-hmm. will just have to accept whatever it is i'm and, and I, I i don't believe i mean they obviously don't want to have a lot of inventory because it costs money to, to have cars sure, sitting there sure. and and, and, look, and they have to be updated all the time and i mean you know how quick they change all the stuff and having suddenly three months old car sitting in a lot yeah. waiting for buyers is not is not what they i mean i also to.
0: think too like like i mean again if there is i like i agree with with gary like where i get stuck is like tesla's overall mission is to like literally just flood the market with evs like like just in a very simplistic manner just make as many evs as you humanly can and you've built production at a factory to do that then i think at least from from my time there the mentality is i don't think it's it's reduced it's reduced production it's like figure out how to get these units out like just get them somewhere else and i think gary's point of like maybe maybe there was a timing issue with the export of those units that could be like well we overproduced by 20% and then it's being spun as they're reducing 20%, you know, like somehow I just, in my head, it's a complete non-issue. It's like a thing that happens short term. They'll find buyers for it, and if there needs to be a some sort of lever that gets pulled for ensuring that product gets sold, yeah, it's going to be a hit on margin. But to Gary's point, costs are like plummeting <laughs> throughout the entire supply yeah. chain, so it could be an absolute non-issue.
2: You know. But
1: yesterday, yesterday, sorry, yesterday you had a tweet which actually hurt me in the heart. Where you said the story has to change. Yeah, Tesla still pretends they can sell any car they produce. That narrative has to change. So explain us what you meant with that.
2: I just I've never bought into that because look, you know, I kind of got involved with Tesla when everybody else was coming into the EV business. And I realized that competitors like GM and Ford and Volkswagen have been trying to get into the EV business for a couple of years and have largely failed. But when I look at China, I see five or six fairly strong competitors with the backing of the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. And I just think in China, at least, it's a very competitive business. And Elon has said that as much himself. And when you take something like BYD, which is now the, the, the market leader in EVs in China, and, and all their cars are under $30,000 if you convert it back to dollars, they have a, a very strong position. And they've got, you know, unlike the old BYD, where they look kind of boxy, they hired a couple of really good designers and the cars look nice. So mm-hmm. I think it's a real competitive issue and so I go, and this is a, a debate we should have with the, the $30,000 car. You know, if you go back to the, um, the semi-presentation where they had, you know, that blanket over something. And it could have been a pillow or it could have been cardboard boxes or it it's could have pillow. been a car. It's a pillow. I, I laughed at <laughs> Farzad the way you interpreted it. So he said, hey, Farzad, it could have just been a pillow that was blown up. <laughs> I just think they got to get that $30,000 car out there if they want to compete effectively in China. Because BYD is not backing off at all. but didn't they
1: increase prices didn't byd increase prices january
2: 1st january 1st they announced the price increase so i keep going back to that first first point i make is tomzo has been a proven himself a very good manager in china he dealt with covid shutdowns dealt with all this competition coming in and still managed to build a great business in china so that's point number one so he's earned whatever promotion they may give him and i I hope that he does get promoted to the number two guy at at, at Tesla, but I don't want Elon to walk away because I know a lot of institutions would sell their shares if he were to say, I'm done, I I feel like I'm not doing enough for Tesla, so I'm going to resign as CEO and I'm going to devote all my time to Twitter. That would be a disaster from a stock standpoint in my mind. A lot of institutions would get out. Second point I want to make is I don't think this promotion – is the worst case that the market's obviously looking at it uh i don't think it's going to get carried over to next year i just don't i think Mm -hmm. it's going to be a a way to clear inventory and look they're going to have to be better at managing each month and remember they said they're going to try to get rid of delivery waves they didn't do that okay Mm -hmm. so the the the, the first month is always very export oriented the second's kind of half and half and a third is always all domestic with no Mm -hmm. exports and i think they got to december and If they wanted to export stuff out, you you can't just like call up a a rower and say, hey, get over here. I'm going to load a bunch of cars on it. you got to plan it out 15 to 30 days in advance. And I think they just they just screwed up. You know, they had this weird promotion, which I still don't quite understand it, that you got like these credits that you could then take the credits to bought a car and exchange it for miles. That just sounded so gimmicky to me. I I couldn't Mm. understand it. And if I can't understand it, that means the average person in China couldn't understand it. And to me, it's like they should have just done this promotion, which they're doing now, which, again, it's only 2%. They should have done that two weeks ago, and they would have known where they stand and how many cars they actually need for domestic purposes, right? And then the rest, you just export out. But, you know, somebody somebody didn't do that. But, but they'll fix it. But that. one
1: thing, yeah, one thing I don't understand, you know, the Taiwanese market, that was heat, that heating up for months and even short years now, right? Now they say they will deliver. Why don't they deliver in December? That's the shortest boat
2: trip. Bitcoin. Now, why do they start? Small why market. do they do
1: that now in, in in January?
2: But it's a small market. It doesn't it doesn't move the needle. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of cars. You're not going to sell that many cars in Taiwan.
1: Okay, but you didn't answer my question. Is why will the narrative have to shift from we're selling every car we produce? Because I would really never
2: believe do. that. Uh, I know you do, but but I just don't see that. I don't see that because I hear Elon say that, and for years I've objected to that. It's like, come on. With, with all the competition coming in, you could have said that two or three years ago when nobody could make EVs at scale, right? But you can't say that today, especially when you got all these Chinese producers like BYD who could who could ship stuff out of China, which they will. And I, I just don't buy that argument anymore because everybody is now realizing that they have to be in the EV business. So everybody's putting all their R&D and all their CapEx behind producing electric cars. And so... You know, you gotta I guess I'm always looking at the world three to five years out that you can't you can't say stuff like that when you know that three to five years from now you're gonna have so many EVs on the market. And you know, people will be able to walk into a Ford dealer or a Volkswagen dealer and get an EV within a week or two. Right right now you can't, but you will be at some point because everybody is putting a lot of production capacity down to make EVs. And that's that's a change from where we were a couple of years ago. So I never bought into that argument by the way
0: if I could but I, I think the way I view it is that there's still the fleet of the the entire world fleet is still you know 97% gas cars. And so the way I think about uh, competition in that sense again, like yes, of course BYD, Ford, GM, every single automaker now and their grandmother wants to make an EV nowadays, right so so that's that's become obvious. but again it's not I, I don't think it's a versus Tesla sort of market share that you're taking away from it's versus Gascar market share that you're taking away from. And when Tesla has, I think the pricing power it has from a margin perspective, you know, again, like no shareholder wants to lose margin, but if they're able to lower costs to their new factories that are going live, I still feel like they're going to be in an environment where they will be able to sell every call they produce. I really, I really do think so. I think, I think if, once Berlin and Austria are fully ramped and the new gigafactory gets announced here in the next hopefully you know three to six months and then the twenty-five thirty thousand dollar car goes live in the next couple of years, oh, yeah. then,
1: then I, let me I, ask I, you then I mean, let
2: me ask you Gary says, well, that's a lot of hips. That's a big <laughs> assumption. And and that look, if you if what you just said was true and they had a thirty thousand dollar car available, at least in China and Europe, I don't care about the US, middle of next year, I would agree with what you just said, but mm. they don't. And they're 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 still dicking around with it. Where maybe it's going to be a robo taxi without pedals and without wheels, or without a steering wheel—that um, <laughs> would be amazing. Yeah, let's us if I just had a thirty thousand—if I just had a thirty thousand dollars car that you were going to make, you know, once they can get to ninety-nine point nine percent, you know, a- autonomous, then you could take off the, the the steering wheel and the pedals, you know. And I am sure designers could figure out how to do that. But I would get the thirty thousand dollars car at least to compete in China with BYD. And then you wouldn't have to be cutting price on Model Three and Model Y. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what was interesting about Tony's report. You know, he 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 really jumps to conclusions. I don't know if you guys know this, but you can't order a Model Three Long Range in the U.S. The only thing you can order is a standard range, a couple of weeks, yeah, and a a performance. Yep. And the long range, the last price was about fifty-seven grand. You got to get the price down to fifty-five to qualify for this seventy-five hundred. But that's area. what
1: they will do. That's why they will be a, I don't a, a do I don't think they'll do that.
2: I don't think they'll do. I think, think they will bring out a mid-range. I think they're going to bring out a lower performing car and call it a mid-range. So then you'll have a short range, a mid-range, and a performance, and they'll price it accordingly rather than cut price of what's already out there. And look, that's 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 the tried and true strategy of consumer products companies. When there's a market that and it's that fifty five thousand dollar price point is going to be a key part because that's where you get the seventy five hundred dollar credit. You got to have a product in that segment. So you can either cut the price of the one that's up there by two or three grand. That's fine. Or you can introduce a product. At least you've got some room. And with, you know, with option add ons and things like that, it's still well below fifty five thousand. I think that's what they're going to do in the U.S.,
0: so, so how do you take Elon's comments around our prices are embarrassingly high? Isn't that a signal that says that prices will come down across the board at some point? Sure. Or, and,
2: tr- and strategically, yeah. that's always been the initiative to try to get you know EVs to have wider adoption, right? That's you you want to make them the same price as ICE cars. So that's that's always been the strategic initiative that that Elon has espoused. But then you, you look at what they've done over the last couple of years; they've taken prices you know we're a model Y today in the US cost $66,000
0: because they had to though right I mean they were they were production constrained more than anything just they had too much demand the market was demanding that price not
2: today not today well and and one thing
1: Martin once said was no more problems with batteries right they they have enough batteries to do everything they want Mm -hmm. so let's Mm -hmm. take him by the word for that
2: Mm -hmm. look I think I think you got to keep China separate China is is where all the action is I think, you know, when we saw the third quarter delivery miss, it was because of China. We, we at the time, we got a lot of grief from people, said a lot of people were waiting because they thought there was going to be a price cut, um, and they were waiting for that. And then there was a price cut, even though Tesla denied it. Then there was a price cut on October 24th, which got the Model Y standard range in China down below that magic 300,000 yen price point where there's that 12,000 subsidy. And I think that you know, going forward, they have to be much more sensitive to to what are those price points that are kind of the, the magic price points. And that, that 300,000 yen is still going to stay a magic price point. They have to have a car or at least a couple cars that are below that. And I think in the U.S. it's the same thing. you got to be below the $55,000 price on a sedan. And right now they have just one car that's that in the sedan mm-hmm. category. And that's the standard. Yeah, sure. And in yeah. the, the SUV category, which is an $80,000 price point, you know, they, they get there easy. But Model 3, they should have two cars in that price point below 55 mm-hmm. to get that $75 credit. Because consumers are going to think like that come January 1st. So to your, to your question, Farzad, will they take further price cuts? Maybe. But they may just introduce new products at a lower price point without taking down the existing prices. I, I wouldn't care if they took price down because they've taken so much pricing. And I went back to 2020 and looked at what happened in China. It's a they lot of prices, price increases. No, no, they took prices down four times in 2020. And as you know, the stock price still went through the roof. So it wasn't like yeah. the market mm. cared because you make it up in volume, right? And mm. so that's that's you know, I wanted to call up Tony today, you know, because I know him from working with him, Tony Second could Say, hey, look, you cut your, your estimates because you took price down, but you didn't you didn't change your volume estimates. You know, that's <laughs> not right. You would think that if you take prices down, you're going to sell more. And to your sure. point. I do think Elon still in the back of his mind wants lower prices because he Mm -hmm. wants to have greater EV adoption and that benefits Tesla. So I'm not opposed to prices going down. I just think there's got to be some, there's got to be some offset. Either you get more volume or more likely, you know, price uh, costs are coming down in line with it. So your margins don't suffer.
1: I have a question to you, Gary. I follow obviously Troy Tesla. I'm a patron. I think you are too. He's had a lot of heat but if i reflect on what happened i mean sometimes he underestimates sometimes he overestimates that happens to any analyst but if i look at his current statements he was actually right on most of what's happening in china right
2: yeah yeah and look he's got good sources there and i've talked to troy many times i'm i wouldn't say i'm closer to him than anybody i i think i'm pretty close to troy he's a great analyst and those who give him grief for quote-unquote spreading butter just they're, they're off they're just wrong As an analyst, who's also gotten a lot of grief when I put stuff out, especially when I I complain about Elon, you have to have people who are willing to say, here's what can go wrong. Institutions will never complain about Adam Jonas, who's a bull. He's got a Tesla price target 330. He's got to buy in the stock for painting a negative picture. They'll never complain because they want to know. And at the end of the day, people, this is the bottom line. People don't pay analysts for their stock recommendations or their price targets. They paid them to get information so they can make their own decisions. And that's yes. that's what Troy tries to do. He tries to put out information and you make your own mind, if you know, given the risks and given the upside. Because Troy's a bull. He's actually a long-term mm-hmm. Tesla bull. He's not a bear. You can make your own mind up given the risks that are there. But long-term, what drives Tesla economics is global EV adoption is going to continue to soar. This year, it's going to be 10%. Next year, it'll be 15%. By 2026, it'll be 30% by 2030 it's going to be 60. And as long mm. as Tesla keeps its EV share, and I know people hate when I do that, their volumes go up at 40 to 50% a year. That's the long-term investment thesis for yes. Tesla. They keep mm. their 20% EV share and as EV adoption explodes, volumes go up at 40 to 50% per year. And that's how Tesla goes from, you know, 173 today to 550 sometime next year and, you know, 2000 in future years. That's mm. the thesis. But in the short term, what, what Troy's trying to do is forecast volumes and forecast prices and say, look, this is the issue for this quarter or for maybe early next year. And people should appreciate that. You know, they shouldn't yeah. they shouldn't give them grief for quote unquote spreading fun. And I go back to this this point. A lot of people will DM me and say, why are you uh, posting that Reuters article? Well, everybody can see the Reuters article. Every Wall Street shop has circulated at 6 in the morning. Me posting it on Twitter is not going to change one iota what the stock price is going to do today visit and and i saw yesterday well wait some... wait well, 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 well. Come on. i
0: Let's mean you, you're, you're giving yourself too little credit Gary. Uh, exactly. you,
2: you, know, you guys are living in a bubble you're living in a bubble <laughs> Sawyer your deleted a tweet what? yesterday wait wait hear me out because he said he deleted because he retweeted something that bloomberg or reuters said it's like you don't think that the the, the wall street shops have already circulated to all their clients by the time you get up in the morning I mean, you're you're being, you're being unrealistic. And so I, I don't think that I have, I don't say any influence. I have a very small amount of influence on the stock price. And you just got to remember the way wall street works is there's somebody on the trading desk. And I used to work for a wall street firm. I used to work for Sanford Bernstein. It takes all the clippings of all the stocks. They put them together and you know, somebody, somebody decides what goes into this clipping book and they send them out to all their clients. And then there's a morning meeting from 7 to 8 o'clock Eastern time where the analyst, if, if, if it's a story like yesterday's or today that was moving the stock, they're supposed to get up and comment on the story. You know, if they don't have any research for the day and their views get circulated and usually a salesperson will summarize it and it'll all go out to the clients. So when I'm posting something from Bloomberg or some trade rag. Everybody on Wall Street's already seen it. I'm not adding any value by posting on Twitter. That's I get that. Great. I
1: get that. So they do their 24-hourly you know, morning meeting. Then during the day, usually they don't update. Do you really believe that none of the people at Wall Street, option traders, market makers, are not on your Twitter feed? I think you are the only big enough account they will follow. And whatever you say, and if you have a very critical tone, they pick it up I mean I'm not saying you moving the you're moving the price but I think you underestimated how much you are the life feed as is Sawyer as is Omar uh, of uh, what Tesla is
2: I'm not the only one and that was the point I was going to make I think people look at Sawyer because he's usually the first news story out and so a lot of people who follow him because he buys a lot of these sources he's the best at getting news information out first I think Omar, because he's close to Elon, I think a lot of people will read what he says and say, okay, well, and and maybe it's fictitious, but he positions himself. Oh, no, it's it's not fictitious. right? I have the proof that it's
1: not fictitious.
2: I see Elon respond to him. So I think there are some accounts on Twitter that people pay attention to, and you just named three of them, and I think there's some. But we can't move, and this is what I get annoyed by. So when Troy puts stuff out, I think there's some hedge funds that, that pay Troy whatever he charges on Patreon so they can get his 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 early he only, on has,
1: he only has two prices on patreon five bucks or 10 bucks i mean one hedge fund manager more or less is not gonna give him much more income to, to troy
2: but but i don't think we have as much influence as people think i think you underestimate the way wall street works that they're clipping so if i tweet something they're clipping it and you know if, they, if somebody thinks it's you know, I can put up on Bloomberg, you know, Gary Black's feed, and I can see it almost like a news story. Somebody will clip it and send it around to clients. But if Reuters says something, or Bloomberg says something, that's going to get far more play than any tweet because they
1: have a different they have a different press release. And and that's why we can come back to communications at, at, at Tesla. But but when I go into my brokerage accounts, I see Tesla Commons, of course, some of the press releases but if they are from an analyst they are mainly yours sometime Ross and that's it i i don't find that tony or any of the others are considered specialists maybe adam jones but they really and, and maybe Dan knives when he says something
2: you know more. why you know why, why? you're not paying commissions so tony sakanaki is only going to send his research to somebody who pays him commissions we pay them commissions yeah. okay you're okay. never going to see it. And if you <laughs> you ask me, who has more influence over institutional clients, Tony Sakanaki or Gary Black? It's clearly Tony Sakanaki. Even though you don't see his okay. stuff, you're not paying him any commissions. That's why you don't get his feed. But anybody who's paying him commissions is getting an email from the salesperson who represents you in Santa Barbara in California, Southern California, and they're sending you an email at 6 in the morning saying, here's what Tony's saying. Mm-hmm.
1: right?
2: And, and that's what people have to recognize that – Wall Street is very efficient at disseminating information, and they'll take news stories and package them and send them out. And then the analyst is supposed to talk about any news story. And I'm, and that's why, you know, Tony had a report today. It was about pricing. And he packaged it together with the, the U.S. pricing and the, uh, uh, the factory, you know, being whatever they want to call it, you know, less production. He packaged it all together in one report. But it went out as one blast from the bernstein research department this morning mm-hmm. at 6 a.m and so now yeah, one, far more one question i him.
1: still have is on on troy lots of people get always hung up on the idea that troy doesn't have equity in or doesn't hold any tesla stock right do you think it is because of all these disclosures when you're an analyst you no. probably imagined at the beginning no so no. i find yeah. this really strange because he seems to be a bull
2: usable usable
1: but, but clearly says he doesn't want to or he doesn't invest in the stock so it's he may not How have the
2: money that- he may not have look he, he's i don't know what he does for a living he's got a regular job and he has you know so many patreon users but you know it doesn't really pay the bills right the patreon users mm-hmm. are kind of like and this is why i'm i'm more negative i think on twitter than most people are it's really hard to get people on twitter to pay money for content that's true and it That's just it, it just doesn't happen mm-hmm. and you know i i tell people i've tried with the, the subscribers and i'm happy that you guys are subscribers but it, it's hard to monetize it and i think troy has found it's hard to monetize it as well it's just mm-hmm. it's not it's not his full-time job but he owns some tesla stock and i think he trades it i mean i don't i don't think he trades it like like a day trader but i think mm-hmm. he does own tesla i mean i've talked to him in the past mm-hmm. and i think he owns tesla Okay. Well, he stated
1: a couple of weeks ago that he doesn't, but maybe that was just at that particular moment. Yeah, I got it. Yeah,
0: I mean, it could also be. I think I think Troy has. It seems like he's somebody that has a very high moral, like like he's compass, very high moral
1: Hmm. compass,
2: right? So he's in the UK, uh,
1: right? He's in the UK. I don't know. He's
2: very principled, and look, people give that's that's what it
1: says on his Twitter.
2: When people give Troy a hard time for quote-unquote spreading fud. They're missing the point that's what his job is and he he views his job is to get information out there good or bad he's got a long-term bullish perspective same reason i do ev adoption is soaring Tesla's going to capture a large share of it but that's not what he's doing when he's putting out quarterly volumes think about the difference between what we just said long term he's bullish but in the near term he's putting out volume information that may be for next quarter or pricing that maybe next quarter and so people have just got to stop, they, and I'm 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 done like yelling at people about it. But I just get annoyed when people yell at Troy or myself or Sawyer for putting. And Rob the other day, somebody got mad at him for. Um, yeah. He, he wrote this. It's like stupid. You don't don't yeah. don't get mad for people for putting out negative information. You need that negative information to make a good investment decision. And so yeah. don't dissuade us from talking, or we won't talk.
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy, you know, the guy at the helm with this whole story, Elon Musk, what does he say? You know, we need a marketplace of ideas so that we can make the best decisions. Like how, how is this is literally within that, you know, just because it's uncomfortable. It is not something that like, like tickles your fancy doesn't mean that it's not valuable. Right. And uh, I think that's, it's sort of the challenge I think a lot of uh, investors are, are learning, like, like, especially like myself. I'm a newbie. Like, right. you know, I've been in the stock market for 10 years. I'm a baby in, in, this, in this market. But like, one of the biggest things that's most value for me is to lean into the stuff that makes me uncomfortable to read. Because what that tells me is, hey, guess what? Maybe you're not as sure as you were right. about the thesis yeah. that you have. So how is that yeah. a bad thing? You know, oh, it's like if to... anything, it strengthens it strengthens your resolve. You know, strengthens your. It your You know thing, why? Your, your I think
2: a lot of people believe that myself and Rob and Troy can move the stock. So their view is, why are you putting this out there? Because you're just going to knock the stock price out. I have clients who say I that. I That's so. just stupid. It's just so naive. Yeah. <laughs> it's so
0: I, naive. I think. I think it's more yeah. that the. It might be like a like a leftover sort of like 2016 2019 period where I think a lot of people took it to heart to ensure that this company was going to survive it almost became personal for a lot of people yeah, yeah. and i think when they see like stories that are damaging to the thing that they're like including myself i'm so passionate about the story so when they see like anything that could potentially harm it they i think i think we get defensive we're like what the hell mm-hmm. like how dare you question like mm-hmm. the, the moral uh like yeah. like why elon's doing this or whatever like of course this is a good thing obviously but i think I think again like like if you want to make something better you have to look at all sides. You have to analyze everything that's in front of you and you can't just ignore something that's happening because it's not fitting the positive narrative. I think it's and and this is why I have people that are of very varied mindsets like like Gary and and Alexander and everybody else that's on this on here to like get those ideas out because it's yeah. important. That's how we make the best decisions,
1: yeah, and yeah. and actually, I like this morning a reaction you had, Farzad, and I think you can explain that again. Uh, to an article that came in the German newspaper, it was in English, but it was done in a, in, in Germany on how problematic the ramp is in Berlin. I mean, it was absolutely dramatic no doubt about it. Um, they obviously want to be at the rhythm of 5,000 cars a week by the end of the year, they're not there yet. They were supposed to have 12,000 employees by the end of the year, they're at 7,000. I actually want to go back to an old video I did with you Farzad where I said Berlin is a tough place. I understand why they went there. They had all the subsidies, but it's it's certainly not a, um, a grown automobile uh, employee place, right? That would be around Cologne, or that would be around uh, uh, Stuttgart, or maybe you can even have it around Hanover, but but certainly not next to Berlin. Berlin is was always an administration. It's the Vokes. It's the, the literary people, and I mean building a car plant there. Fair enough. Now we have it. I mean, not no, don't don't cry over spilled milk. But so there Mm -hmm. there they are. And the article was like, really negative about it. And they will never get there and whatever. And then you reacted and i let you i let you carry it on there because it was just yeah. perfect go ahead do it
0: sure yeah i have to thank you for that so i actually sent the tweet to producer wife uh have her pull it up here in a second so it was a uh, uh it was in response to a business insider sort of you know business uh, insider trading <laughs> as it gets called sometimes uh so here's a tweet so a business insider said tesla's german gigafactories in total chaos quote unquote due to yeah. staff shortages reports say and i said also known as tesla berlin is cranking out ridiculous numbers of cars and they need as much help as they can get right so it's like exactly. it's and the 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 and the reason why i'm i'm confident in making that statement is because while i was at the company uh, there was always a state of chaos it, somebody somebody replied to one of the tweets and said when you're growing a manufacturing company <coughs> 40 to 50% per year you it's going to be chaotic in there Absolutely. and so like that's what it is, and I think the there might be a, a cultural sort of uh, like like you kind of alluded to a little bit, Alexandra, where uh, maybe chaos is not maybe viewed as an acceptable working environment, and like what I describe as chaos is like there's just fires everywhere, and you need go getters to go put them out. You just have to figure out how to do it, and that's how you innovate. That's how you move fast. So that's
1: Tesla. That's- I-
0: you know, it's Tesla. That's just how it works. And I think it might just be a, a FUD misreport, you know, like like trying to spread some could sort of fear and uncertainty.
2: could be a cultural yeah. thing. Yeah.
0: But it's...
1: Oh, it certainly to is. It's, it's Can you imagine a German? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm They're so, me, I'm so glad be. I'm not anymore. But yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, they have never seen um, the like
0: thing The culture is alive and well. That was, that was what I took away mm. from it. Like, okay, thank God. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because that's how it should be if you want to move as fast <laughs> as humanly possible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So oh, th- that was that. one of the stories i was not i was not worried about but uh but there yeah. we go um what else was on our to-do list today thirty
2: thousand thirty thousand versus oh. robot taxi. Oh, Let's oh, hit it at
1: least it's not twitter
2: so so <laughs> i think i kicked it You're off bringing it up <laughs> we'd love to get you guys opinion about this so if they had a thirty thousand dollar car in china which is you know a scaled down model three it's probably in a compact category it you know fits in with what BYD is doing, but it's much smaller than a model three because you got to differentiate it. Why is that a bad thing? And I'll just start with that as an open-ended question. Why is, why wouldn't that help?
1: Well, but what you're saying is rather than now pretend and wait for a robo-taxi, which may or may not see the day of the light, the the light of the day. I'm good today. I'm putting them all the other way around. fingernails. Um, (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly
1: that's it that's what did you I'm
0: see what my wife wrote nails. about him by the way she said i know you said blue nails were bad luck but at least
2: they're cute did everybody see my jacket i want to know i, to I know it has this so cool so this so is my cool. harley davison jacket and i wear this around uh <laughs> there it is i wear this around chicago and some guy came up to me the other day i was Says, like, how's it ride I just said pretty good, even though I don't have one, because <laughs> I, <just laughs> I like the jacket. But you know, I, I say that just as an advertisement because Harley's been one of our best performing stocks. I know here. you, you, and you have a 22% good one. Two percent year to date, and I don't know, it's been a great. you looking, stock, you're just...
1: looking very sharp in that jacket, no doubt, Gary. And yes. and let just me let me tell the story of my of my nails. I usually always have red nails, everybody knows me for my red nails. But about a year ago, I had blue, uh, blue nails, and it was the worst month—my personal worst oh, month boy. for a long, long time. And my husband said, "Cut it on the blue nails." And yesterday, for I don't know what stupid reason, I went into nails. Oh, blue nails! Right and here we are. You try
2: to break your first. Went- how often do you change your nail your color?
1: About in three, four weeks. But I think this one is going to go quicker. <laughs> I, to...
2: I think you need to change.
1: <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for December. <laughs> yeah. Let's get back That's to funny. that 30,000 30, car. So um, you you would like them, rather than now, have want this wait. pillow car. Want you want, you want to higher. have a car. You want to have a car. Yeah,
2: yeah because think, Cybertruck is, is going to be made in Austin. China could, could start working on a thirty thousand car, get it out there, it's where it's needed. They can export it into Europe. So you solve two two birds with one stone, kill two birds with one stone, and then let's see how it goes. It doesn't mean it has to come to the US. Yeah. I want to them to the US. Yeah, I, the, the the web... US. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they capitalize like... model three too much in the US. But remember, prices are much lower in China. You know, they That's start true. at like 40. I just want them to be able to compete more effectively with BYD and not to have, look, we're going to have another in January, people are going to be debating whether they're going to cut price again. And you're going to have Chinese consumers waiting for a price cut again. So you got to, you got to address this issue now, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I agree, I agree. I agree with you. I think the, the, European market, then you think about I don't know, South America at some point. You have a lot of countries in Africa, you got a lot of countries in Asia. There's just so much such a huge market for this cheaper car that can,
2: can it's you a car
1: operating margin of thirty percent on a thirty thousand dollar car.
2: You can, but your dollar profit per car is gonna be lower. You can get thirty percent, but just think about it. you're gonna make ten thousand dollars a car instead of fifteen thousand dollars a car. So hmm. Yeah, it's not great from a cannibalization standpoint because you got to think about it that way. But, but volume, you, like three to four, you get it though. in volume. And yeah. look, I, I go back to, you know, what moves the stock? Volume still moves the stock. To t- Tesla more than gross margins. Gross margins is number two. But like, if we get to January second or whenever, whenever they announce fourth quarter volumes, and they're in the 450, 460 range, stock's going up, even if their margins are a little bit lower. You know come a couple of weeks later
1: what's your number what's I'm at your number
2: 30. i i try to be conservative but remember okay. last quarter i was trying to be conservative and i was pretty close i was almost dead on for the earnings i think i was at a dollar nine i was the lowest of anybody It came in at a dollar five but i try to keep my my numbers below where i think they're going to be because i don't want to be surprised on the downside so i'm at 4.30 I think the streets mm-hmm. are 4:30 right now. Yeah,
1: everybody, and and Troy, I think, is 4:28 or something like that. So that seems. But a lot of the
2: be... a, te- a lot of the Twitter Tesla people are much higher than 4:30. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think we're all learning our lessons. I think Q3, <laughs> Q3 was bad, bad, bad. I still Look, China, China's, China's,
2: China's got competitive pressures, and people, and it's got two things: it's got competitive pressures led by BYD, and it's got an economy that's been stop and start as they've shut things down. And now you're seeing it go the other way where the government is saying, hey, look, we're we're, we're going to dismantle a lot of this regu- regulatory apparatus for COVID. And we're not going to, for instance, take people who, are, who test positive and put them in a separate area. We're not going to do it anymore. We're going to try to work through it, which I think that opens up the Chinese economy and you get another leg forward and that'll help next year. It'll help Tesla next year.
1: At yeah. least from Q2 onwards, because what I read today is it's not at all decided whether this is like, I mean, nothing will happen until the new year, the Chinese new year, which is end of January, 10 days, right? And then, so maybe beginning of February, but lots of people say it may actually only be put in place beginning of April after the winter.
2: Yeah. And I, what I'm interested to see is this twelve thousand um, one subsidy that's supposed to end on 1231, 1231 is it going to get extended? Because there's talk that it might get extended. That would be mm. very interesting you know yeah mm. i i wouldn't mind if it gets extended
1: so do you believe that i think we talked about this before i just want to, I want to mention it again the thirty thousand dollar car will only be produced in china i don't North know
2: i'm just look this is where i sometimes don't do a good job communicating then my belief is they shouldn't wait for robotaxi because with robotaxi it could still be another two or three years before the car is able to quote unquote drive itself it may be six mm-hmm. months but Look, I've been saying this for three years and getting, you know, grief by people that it's not going to drive itself anytime soon. And that's been the right view. You know, don't put an evaluation for RoboTaxi. I don't think they should wait until they get RoboTaxi to launch this $30,000 car. I think they should try to get it out there as soon as they can. Limit it to China for now. Get the competitive issues addressed. And, you know, stop talking about price cutting and volume cuts. And I, I don't want to see another couple quarters, like third quarter and fourth quarter in China. I want them to fix the problem. Right. And I think mm. a $30,000 car will fix, problem. I just don't know how long it's going to take them to get a car like that out there. It may that's, be six months. That's where my yeah, head goes to, have, right?
1: Didn't we have a design? Didn't I have a couple of months ago, they were talking about having a design, not, not
2: China I design have, I haven't seen anything official. I think that was okay. outsiders trying to come up with designs. Okay. Yeah. So the the way
0: I think about this car is okay. So it's 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 going to be cheaper. It's going to be faster to produce. So higher volumes, uh, cheaper to produce. So so in my head, I'm like, okay. So if I announce this too too early on. There's a chance Model Y and Model 3 are significantly impacted from a demand perspective. Not Model Y, and Model
2: 3, Model 3. Yeah. Model 3. Because Model the size will
1: be smaller. Yeah, yeah, Model
2: Y is huge. I mean, it's especially. For it would be a
1: hatchback, right? We're sure it's going to be a hatchback.
2: I think it'll be a hatchback. Sure. But, but I think it'll be significantly smaller than a Model 3. Right? Yeah, and higher. You
1: think more about the
2: and Audi and other luxury designers, when they go down into that 30, 30 to $35,000 segment, they want to clearly differentiate it from their $50,000 car mm. and Tesla, yeah. again, they're smart. They should, they should do the same. They should make sure that everybody sees that like, this is a compact car. It's not, it's not a full-size yeah. car.
1: More of a, more of a city, city car. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you.
0: Like a yeah. civic type style, right? Is that kind of what we're thinking? Like a civic hatchback sort of
2: smaller car. It like the 3 even smaller than that. Yeah. Because you
1: don't I mean you obviously don't need a lot of a front.
2: Very okay. little, very little leg room for the for the you know rear passengers, but still a four seater. Yeah. yeah. Four 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 people could fit in it. Not many, yeah. but the, <laughs> I'll tell you, you can fit in it. I have a hard time putting <laughs> in a Tesla model three. I mean i have a y which is oh i good. i don't
1: i never use ours i only go in, into the x i i you really have to get into it like in a the Porsche, <laughs> good old days right it's yep. too small for me. that's it we're, we're getting older, yeah. gary we, we won't admit it
2: but just i scary. could sit in the front but model three i i remember when omar because i've never really ridden around in a model three uh, model y omar took around his model three It's like this thing is tight you know yeah, it's really it hard for me to fit into it but yeah. I think it'll be smaller than that, and it. it and it's...
1: I have I have my two next to each other in front of the the garage. So if the X and the three. And when you're from one side, when you have the X, you don't see the three at all from no from no <laughs> angle, right? You really have to turn around to, X to find vague. it.
2: So you don't oh, drive it's... around the three; you drive the X.
1: Oh, only the X for the best, Good for right?
2: <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, yeah I would do That's that. Awesome. Too.
1: I, work, I work hard for it, and I love it. This is my car. It's just. Nothing nothing else comes close. This one is now uh, eight months.
2: Okay, so it's been, you know, it's it's part of the new. It's the new X, not the old X.
1: It's the new X. It's the refresh X. We've taken it for at least four road trips now to Vegas. We're doing every four weeks a a two-hour trip to to Paso Robles. It's just it's a dream come true. It's absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, there is because it has you know the those things that you put down against the sun. Um how do you call that no, in English? Sunlight, yeah, Somebody. exactly, and so they are—they <laughs> are not there. They are on the side, and you have to bring them over yeah. and open them. And my it's awesome. gosh, if you have—if you—it's—it's have, it's awesome. But if you have quickly, some, you better know what you're doing because if you're in, a, you know, in a traffic exactly,
2: <laughs> so just let the, the car drive car. itself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Look, if, if I knew—back to your question, for if I knew that that robo taxi would be at, again ninety-nine point nine percent no interventions by next year then I would say go for it but I just I don't know Elon's been wrong since 2019 when he said there'd be a million robo taxis on the road by the end of 2020 and it's just his bias is that it's going to get done but it just doesn't get done and then you got to get it approved so I would just I don't think they can take a chance and say well let's do it you know both cars at the same time I don't know what the downside is to getting a a, a, you know a, a compact car out there and when you get to robot taxi, just remove. And I'm not an engineer, obviously. Remove the steering wheel and remove the pedals. At that point, why, why, why can't you do that? I I, I don't know yeah. from an engineering standpoint why that's so hard. Yeah, and uh, I want I to. You. You. Wanna... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead
1: no, 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 no. Go please, ahead, please. With Sandy first. But because we were talking about this approval for you know level four, and now and now robot taxi, there's actually nothing in place nothing. I mean, I'm sure they're all working on it in those government agencies. But we had this discussion last week in in a in a um, YouTube, you may want to link to that. And it, it just seems that government is so late, always to jump on these occasions. So if we're waiting for an authorization, I think we won't have it. I think actually, the biggest thing will be to, to make sure Tesla insurance actually covers the whole liability side of it. And that will only be doable, once Tesla provides them all the data, because I mean, insurance, as you know, are just actuaries who need to be reassured with numbers. And so if the if Tesla insurance says, okay, you can let them all drive, we cover, if ever, you know, the worst of the worst happens, uh, I think they don't need to ask for an authorization initially. I mean, will the governments come up with something? Yes, but you already have a lot of US states that approved it, that have it in their, in their laws. I, I don't think we're waiting for an authorization. I just I think the biggest hurdle now is to convince the insurance, and uh, and then get it out there.
2: But, but this, again, this, this I don't state, think they're there. States like California will require that the manufacturer accept the liability yes,
1: associated insurance.
2: with calling it level four, level five, which Tesla's never been able to do because once you call it level four, level five, you're basically saying you're liable if the car you know crashes or no matter what, and so. I don't know if Tesla's ready to do that, but you—you you, most states that I've seen, like I've looked at California's and Texas, Florida—in in order to call it um, a level to get a permit for robo even just a permit, it has to be at least a level four, and that—that's up to the manufacturer to call it what they want, which means it's a yep. liability question. And exactly, I, that's it.
1: I, I don't that's know insurance. if Tesla's
2: willing to do that. Yeah.
1: yeah, and so and, and and that's something they actually. But what, what I wanted to say is, we're not waiting for a government agency to give them permission. It's actually Tesla declaring it. And if they see they don't, or they don't have the data yet, or they don't want to declare it, at whatever, I completely agree with you. Then put the thirty thousand dollar car out with a steering wheel and and let people have it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, th- think about the production capacity. Maybe, and maybe we'll go to Q and A. Q&A. Did we have any other topics that we wanted to hit
2: before? Well, we, I've been reading some of you? the comments, and people said, "Why, why do a, a thirty thousand dollar car in China when you could just export out? You know, make all you can produce and then just export it out to more places?" And I think that's a fair argument. But you got to remember, Berlin is going to keep ramping up. So, Berlin, you know, maybe they're at you know two thousand a week now, but you know, will they be at five thousand a week in a few months? Probably. Right. Yeah. So you're going to lose a big quote unquote customer in Europe because they're not going to need as much volume. So you're going to have to find other countries to replace Europe once Berlin gets up to let's go up 5,000 a week in production. Yeah. That's the challenge.
0: think about the complexities around all the different jurisdictions with the legalities as well that's why if you're going to have production that's going to be for the cheaper car that's going to be millions of cars a year and it's going to be bottlenecked by potential regulations and taking responsibility for the software like to me it makes that's that's the signal to me that says it's going to have a steering wheel and pedals because it makes no Mm -hmm. sense to build that much production not be able to sell for like two to three years well think about third world
2: countries if you're going to go into lesser you know let's suppose you go to india or indonesia or someplace you know they're dirt roads they don't they're not going to have the fsd capability that you have in california you know and will the
1: chinese ever let them will the chinese ever let the tesla's drive with fsd in china not sure
2: sure sure. no baidu is in 10 cities right now with level four robo taxi and you know there's restrictions on it and they're geofenced within each city but yeah the chinese are very um gung-ho about getting you know um autonomy up and running just look at Baidu. Baidu's in 10 cities now. They're all geofenced. Mm-hmm. But they're mm-hmm. going to try to bring them all together at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: Huh. Um, any other topics before we hit Q&A? Should we, for the last 10 no, minutes here? No, I think, think we're start?
1: good. We do the we're share good. buyback? Kindly oh, good. yes. Let, let me. Let oh, me. Yeah, let's me go ahead. Do yeah. exactly. for, the sh- for the share buyback, I hit, heard an argument. I think it was Emmett Pepper who said it. Where he said maybe they don't, maybe the board doesn't do a share buyback because there are some institutional investors who don't want it. I I mean, I was like, I never exactly. Why would an institutional investor not want a share buyback? Any any, investor.
2: Yeah, think think of what Leo's rant today. You know, you know, I think it captures it perfectly. He thinks like an institution. You've got 19 billion in cash at the end of September. You're gonna have. He says another five billion. Let's say four billion. In the fourth quarter, and then you can have another uh no, you have 21 billion at the end of the third quarter, another four billion in the fourth quarter, and then yeah. 19 billion. You got 45 billion dollars at the end of next year. I mean, at four percent. And the first thing an institution said is why are you doing that? You're investing at four percent. Your cost of equity, if you think about cost of equity as you know, some uh, premium over a risk-free rate, and you have to multiply it times the riskiness, 13, 14, percent and you're investing at at four percent. And yeah, yeah, you could have a recession, but are you really going to go through $30 billion worth of cash? No institution I ever talked to says don't do a buyback. People love buybacks because as you said before, Alexander, it's not just the IRR of the buyback, but it's the the commitment and the the conviction that, hey, the stock is cheap and we're trying to show everybody that it's cheap. And we personally believe it's cheap because we believe in our fundamentals. And so just think about it this way. Somebody says, well, if you bought back $10 billion worth of stock, how much is the stock price going to go up? I don't know, but I know when Elon sells $10 billion of stock,
1: I know how much <laughs> it goes down, right? Stock goes Especially down, if he yeah. doesn't say what it's done.
2: So the well. math, the math isn't always perfect, but it's just symbolic that you know when you have days like today or days like whatever it was two days ago where it dropped, you know, seven percent because of this production rumor, you're in there supporting your stock. You don't have the shorts ganging up and trying to make money because there's no buyers, you know. It it, hmm. it just puts a floor on the stock. So I just think it's something that it, it shows conviction. It shows that the board believes in the stock. And you always have some firepower to go in and buy the stock. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I can't imagine yeah. a, a, an institution saying, put it in cash for the recession. Yeah. It just doesn't sound like any institution I know.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's it's just a bad use of of your money, right? I mean, it's just. But there we are. No, I don't have anything to add to buy back. I think I've said it all. I just hope that one day they wake up and do it.
2: how much do you think leo being you know a huge player and and elon you know he follows him how much did did, did he he going on a rant this morning do you think that helps a lot or not well you distracted
1: i i don't feel elon at the moment commenting on anything for tesla just like nothing today he commented on Pictures, AI pictures that uh, that Kalpathy did, which were actually good pictures. I have to admit. um they good. Put, the fire, <laughs> put the fire sign on it, right? All good. Uh, and I think he he also commented on an airplane by Boeing. I um, don't remember exactly what it what it was. So th- not that there was no matter to discuss anything from Tesla, but there was just nothing out there. You know, we have different opinions of whether it's a good idea to buy Twitter or not. I still, I still very much support that. But I mean, the one thing that is true is we don't have his attention at the moment and we have nobody else's attention. There's just no spokesperson out there. I, I saw a, a question earlier. Do we know who is behind the Tesla official Twitter account we don't obviously I do imagine it's Martin or maybe the, the, the his his number two um you know that the lady that was on that uh, third row um, podcast interviews right, right. from from Europe but that's it that's just I does anybody know I don't
2: I don't I think it's martin I think the IR yeah. department does it but you know he doesn't answer a lot of these questions I mean his his tweets today had nothing to do with anything about the stock price no. which was amazing to no. me yeah.
1: yeah
2: i
0: think i think for me if there's one one like one light at the end of the tunnel for this it, is that it does seems like there's a trend towards elon starting to really uh start try and uh delegate a little bit more of of, of some of the work that may have been stuck with him so like things like dan being a, a showcase at semi Neuralink, everybody and neural link everybody at ai day but of course this is different than um, the rest of the call, it the corporate governance, right? And it's something that he was right. never really fond of. So there's nothing to delegate. So it seems like somebody True. just has to step up. How did, <laughs> you, how, did you like,
1: yeah, how did you like that semi-presentation on, on, on Thursday? I mean, obviously it's completely vanished in the perception of yeah. anybody because there's so much happened since, but wasn't it great?
2: I thought it was okay. I, I wouldn't put it in the great category because it, it still left a lot of information, even to somebody who's buying trucks, it didn't give out a lot of information. Like, so if it carries 82,000 pounds, how much is the battery take up? Is it 10? Is it 20? Nope, nobody knows. What's the pricing? And then look, what these guys do is they look at price versus what their operating cost per mile is. They didn't give out much information on stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe they're doing that one on one with people who are interested, but I couldn't figure I that so. stuff out. And usually, you know, I can, as an analyst, figure out you know stuff but i couldn't i couldn't put any economics on because they didn't give it out true they didn't uh,
0: i have a theory around that real quick what? i think i think it was very calculated to be catering to the driver because if you start talking about how the truck can potentially replace the driver with say full self-driving and how this is going to be better for your business i think you're going to have a huge mess on your hands with drivers well, that's why my theory I tell
2: people how much uh of, of the load you could carry if if it can carry eighty-two thousand pounds and the battery, nobody knows how big it is. Why wouldn't you disclose that so you can do some calculations as a driver?
0: Most, I mean, you you could, but most trailers don't ride don't ride like most trucks aren't at eighty-two thousand pounds. I know that. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's maybe maybe they thought it wasn't sort of applicable for that use case, or they thought that the number I don't know maybe the number is not that impressive. And they're just, yeah. they don't want to display. And, and, I, and I really had the
1: feeling they, they watched closely what they were saying. It was really for one scripted and they knew what they wanted to get out. And they knew also what they didn't want to get out.
2: I also think with Elon uh, patching things up with Apple and bringing Amazon in, a lot of advertisers are going to pay attention to that. And so, yeah. you know, I've been negative as you know on the whole Twitter purchase, but I think he's, he's trying to play the, a bad hand, right? Because he's got a lot of debt and look, he had to get rid of a lot of people. And so I think the advertisers are settling down. And I'd say in the last week, he's done some good things and getting uh, Tim Cook back on the platform, convincing Amazon to come on the platform. Those are two huge advertisers. Right. And the advertisers I've talked I took to, two or three of them now, you know, they're all watching this. And look, what they want is a one on one call with somebody from Twitter. It doesn't have to be Elon, but they don't want to you know, be on some Zoom call. Or some spaces call where you know he's preaching to them. They like that, but they want a one-on-one discussion sure. with somebody, and so yeah. they just have to get out and do that. So, so look, what what I've been advocating is that Elon go out and meet with some of these big advertisers himself. He met with Tim Cook. He's brilliant. He he patched it up, and you know not only did he not get booted off the the app platform, not that he would have. Um, but he's he's got he's got Apple back on there, and he brought Amazon in. So a lot of people are going to pay attention to that. So it's got to make him feel better that the economics of Twitter are getting better because the advertisers yeah. are going to come back. And what what, what this advertiser that I talked to a lot said to me is, you've got to remember, Gary, the 2024 is huge in so many ways because you got the election and you got the Olympics. And mm-hmm. he's just got to get ready. We're in 2023 already. He's got one year to get it ready. So that it can yeah. take center stage and that and that's that's when if, if Twitter were to come public again, it would probably come public in 2024. Mm. So,
1: or after a very good 2024, yeah.
2: Right. But he's got to get some key roles filled because so many people quit on him. And look, it's the the, the product hasn't broke, you know, it, it seems to be functioning fine. Yeah. So I, I think it's turned the corner and I think that probably will let Elon I'm gonna say pull back because he's not gonna pull back until it's fixed. But I think I, he could probably see the the light at the end of the tunnel and that's why i would be very very surprised if he were to leave tesla that just makes no sense mm-hmm. to me. So. fair enough good, yeah, no, good to the questions
0: yeah let's do a couple uh we're almost at an hour 30 here so let's uh there was yeah. a super chat earlier in the stream thank you all for uh for commenting drop your questions below we're probably only going to get to a couple here but uh producer wife let's go ahead and pull up the uh, super chat from wesley wesley thank you so much for the five dollar super chat i know you <coughs> dropped this uh probably an hour ago but i really appreciate you for being patient uh, why would tesla design uh, a new product instead of taking down existing prices isn't it more cost effective to lower the price instead of a new product how, how do you think about that uh gary do you want to it
2: depends if it's strategic and again i go back to the us they're not they're not offering the long range right now i wouldn't be surprised if they bring a mid-range product to get the product Comfortably below the $55,000 price point so they can get the $7,500 they could they could but bringing out a mid range model three is not really a new product right it's just kind of a line extension and it's it's not going to be that different from the long range but what you're doing is by having a a mid range product you can get the price down below 55 grand you get the 75 so you're getting a price cut without taking the price cut yourself I think in China it's a whole different ballgame because of BYD. Anybody who follows BYD, they're super aggressive, they have a super good platform. You know, they've come, I don't want to say out of nowhere because they've always been there, but they're now the market leader and it's got to get everybody's attention. And when Elon's mm-hmm. focused on who are the you know the best competitors of Tesla around the world, I bet if you say who is the single biggest competitor that you worry about, I bet he would say BYD. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's why I would bring out a product just for China. I I agree with the the, the person who asked the question. I wouldn't lower prices everywhere, but I think in China mm-hmm. you got to do something because Clearly, there's an issue in China, right? If you've got a, a year-end promotion, you got too much inventory. There's rumors yeah. about production coming down. Something's going on that you know they're not explaining, and to me, that says there's an issue.
1: Mm.
2: It's heating up. It's heating up. It's heating
1: up. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, never any smoke without a fire. That's it.
2: There's yeah. something going well. on in China that we're not all aware of, you know. Mm. But it makes me worried. Mm. Let's do uh, mm.
0: a couple more here. Um, next question. Hi, Farzad, Alexander and Gary. What do you all think of a possible IP theft from China? Um, Alexander, any thoughts?
1: I mean, this has been a subject for the last 20 years, right? Anybody who was um, constructing, manufacturing, sharing information with the Chinese, that was always uh, an issue. I think Elon had the right attitude, saying we're making better products and uh, be it, right? And, And I think the market is big enough to, to take this into account and just uh, I mean if there are cars that look like Teslas but don't have the same performance don't have the same features Tesla still wins even though some other cars may be sold so I, I don't think this is something that can ever be solved the chinese have this attitude don't have the same rules and regulations that we have here um i don't you know i don't think this is a new threat and is anything that that we have to worry about today
0: yeah i agree with that i think i think as long as in a digital world you can steal anything and then we're going to get more digital so as long as you're faster than everybody else who cares
2: right
1: yeah, so that's as simple yeah. as that
0: yeah. gary what, what are your thoughts there I,
2: I don't i i don't disagree with you guys i, I don't really mm. have a strong opinion about it to be honest okay mm. uh let's do one more uh how
0: do you oh it? i
1: can tell that stefan bidar yeah
0: hey Stéphane, bonjour. thank you <laughs> um, so why is tesla do- having Go for it, please. No problem. We heard you,
1: <laughs> dog. Uh So why is this having a hard time finding skilled labor in Germany? Because Brandenburg, so this is the <coughs> suburbs of Berlin, is just not at all an industrial hub. It is like if you would put, I don't even know what other comparison I could do. Uh, I don't know whether in Philadelphia they have, obviously they have a lot of university, whether they have also production there. But in in Berlin, Uh Berlin has been the old type capital. Then we had all the time the Germany was divided. So then Berlin was divided, which obviously put a lot of stress on it. Uh, And then after the reunification, there was a lot of subsidies and help. But it is is mainly East German people living still in that part of, uh, of, of Germany. So that it wasn't an industrial hub at all. Lots of, sub- uh, lots of subsidies when when uh, um tesla decided to go there also um berlin is a very cool town i can completely understand why elon likes it it's a party town it's a very young town quite woke it has a lot of in, in europe it's certainly very special in, in in that way but that doesn't mean it has automobile skilled labor, it just doesn't. You have those people around Stuttgart because that's where Mercedes is. You have those people around Cologne because that was traditionally where, where Volkswagen is and, and Ford was was uh, for a long time. And, uh, and this is in the east, in the northeast of Germany. So people moving there for a good job, yes, they will. But is it easy to bring people to move there? No, it isn't. So that that was a difficulty that could have been anticipated, no doubt. About how,
2: it. how far is Brandenburg from Berlin?
1: Oh, I think about twenty-five minutes by car. Oh, so uh, trying to do a, a train, yeah, yeah. It's it's really suburbs, and uh, and it. I mean, it's not the nicest weather. Berlin is a strange, a strange city. In um, in the summer, you have the sun at three o'clock in the morning. It, it's really, because it's it's in European time, but it's one of the most east. Mm. places so it, it it has a very strange rhythm to it. it when you live in town in berlin it doesn't matter it's a little bit like you know in in san francisco and you would live in live in san jose or whatever really out there but um if you if you live in the city it's it's quite pleasant because it is a very active and young and university city with lots of international people because the parliament is there and lots of things happen there newspapers journalism um but it's certainly not a typical industrial hub
0: Got it. Very helpful. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, let's call it there. Yeah. I think we've been, uh, at it for a little bit here. Thank you guys so much. Seriously. I I hope this was, uh, a value to the, to the, uh, community. I think it, I think it definitely was. I always really appreciate y'all's honesty and just how willing you are to be open about your thoughts and allow you know, sort of them to filter into the community and, and for everybody to take that in. And I, and I can see through from the comments, everybody really values both of your opinions. Real quick before we go offline, I definitely want to plug stuff that y'all do very, very well. Gary Black is on Twitter. Make sure you go follow him. Look, he's even got a bull
2: in his header, y'all. He's of course, of course it's a testable. Come on. The FFND, the 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 future fund. Don't forget. There it is. There
1: it
2: is. I got it up
0: future fund make sure you uh check that out future fund uh tf a uh, future the sorry future ffnd, fund FFND yes. is a sticker yeah. ffnd well, and, like then, buy uh, tesla. <laughs> and then gary black you can also find him on twitter at gary black zero zero and then you can also find uh our favorite tesla boomer mama <laughs> we have alexander we mertz on substack make sure you go find her we- at mertz.substack.com and you can also you find are. her on twitter as well yeah and so many uh, fake ones
1: now <laughs>
2: yeah, i think this is million real really thirty
1: thousand look at that my look god you.
2: you're moving my goodness so I popular best is growers yeah you and are. you hear that
0: music in the background <laughs> the producer wife with the like the production quality there. Right look out. At that.
1: wow <laughs> <laughs> we're happy y'all
0: okay thank you so much the- Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, producer Thanks. wife. Bye I'll see bye. you guys later. It easy, I
1: change my nails. I promise. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> <laughs> Please.
0: <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody.